0: But those of you who come regularly will know that uh, over these past few weeks, intermittently, it's not been a series we've been doing, but just intermittently, we have been emphasizing uh, some of the things that the early church uh, held as very prominent in their ministry. And one of those things was, of course, the name of Jesus. You do not have to look very far in the book of Acts to see how important the name of Jesus was to the early church. Another thing we talked about was the Word of God and how important it was uh, to speak the Word of God. And this morning, I want to <clears throat> emphasize something else that they were uh, very keen to, to, uh, to use, if that's the right word, was uh, the Holy Spirit. Not to use the Holy Spirit, that's the wrong word, obviously, uh, but to emphasize the ministry of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so that's what we want to focus on this morning uh, for a little while. And then I want to come back to it tonight uh, because uh, this evening uh, we want to go a little bit further and talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues and things related to that uh, that you may not be fully aware of. Uh, Some of you have not long come into the church and you may not be fully aware of that or what it's about or uh, why you should uh, be involved and why you should be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So we'll, we'll deal with that in the evening service. But first of all, uh, let me read to you something which we have included into our home group sheet this week. Uh, something written by Kevin Connor. Kevin Connor was one of the uh, tremendous Bible teachers in Bible Temple in Portland, Oregon for many, many years. And here's what he said regarding the Holy Spirit. The doctrine of the Holy Spirit is one of the most important doctrines in the Word of God and is one of the foremost truths of redemption. Therefore, the believer should seek to know all he can of the person, ministry, and work of the Holy Spirit as revealed in Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, relative to both creation and redemption, the Holy Spirit is seen in operation. In the midst of the chaotic conditions seen in Genesis 1, verses 1 to 2, we see the Spirit of God moving. It says, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The final mention of the Holy Spirit is seen in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, where it says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Between these two verses, the beginning and the consummation of the Spirit's work, we have a vast amount of biblical revelation of the Holy Spirit's ministry. The Holy Spirit is mentioned more than 90 times in the Old Testament with at least 18 different titles also given. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is mentioned more than 260 times along with 39 different names and titles. And out of the 27 books of the New Testament, only Second John and Third John have no reference to the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament told of the coming of the last days when the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon all flesh, in contrast to Old Testament times when the Holy Spirit was only available to a slack few in Israel. In God's plan, this present age has been given over to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. These facts emphasize the importance of the believer in coming to know, to understand, and appreciate, and experience the person, work, and ministry of the Holy Spirit in his life. It is the Spirit who brings to the heart the revelation of the Father and the Son, John 14, verses 15 to 26. It is fear, formalism, and ignorance which robs the church from studying the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and thus making room for His blessed ministrations. And therefore, having said all of that, it is incumbent upon all of us as born-again believers today uh, to know all we can know about the Holy Spirit and his ministry and his indwelling in our lives on a daily basis. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? Now, it's worth noting that I didn't ask the question, what is the Holy Spirit? But who is the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is not some kind of impersonal force, not some kind of... Impersonal power or energy, not some spooky entity or some ethereal gas or cosmic substance. New Age teachers talk about the great spirit in the sky, and they use vague and nebulous terms to try to make this so-called spirit impersonal, unknowable, indescribable. That is true that for many Christians, he is seen as too mysterious, too inexplicable, too impersonal, beyond our comprehension to know. And we can uh, perhaps more easily identify with the Father and with the Son, <coughs> particularly with the Son, because he came to this earth and he took upon himself human flesh flesh that you and I possess. And so it's easier for us to think in terms of Christ and his humanity. Uh, it's maybe easier even to think of the Father, uh, because the Bible describes him oftentimes in, in human terms. It talks about the eye of the, the eye of God is over the righteous, and his ear is open unto her cry. And he opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. And his arms are round about us and underneath us are the everlasting arms of God. So oftentimes God is described in in human terms even though he's not human and even though we can't see him. But because even we use the term father we have some kind of easier identification. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit and particularly in the old King James where he was called the Holy Ghost, uh, then sometimes even Christians struggle with this, how to uh, imagine, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit as being a person. Now, of course, he wasn't a person in the sense that that Christ became a person uh, with human flesh. Uh, We cannot see the Holy Spirit, but he has personality. He can think, and he can feel, and he can see, and he can hear, and he can touch, and all those things. Uh, but sometimes uh, we, we struggle uh, to try to think about that, and that's why perhaps the Bible often describes them in terms that maybe we can grasp, like, like dew, or, or rain, or river, or a dove, uh, or oil, or wind. Uh, those are terms that we can easily identify. But yet the Holy Spirit is a person, Throughout the New Testament, uh, he was always described in terms of he. Jesus says, when he shall come, he shall glorify me. You know, He shall reveal truth unto you. Always in terms of a personality, he. He is God, the Holy Spirit, revealed in Scripture as the third person of the eternal Godhead, co-equal. Coexistent, co eternal with the Father and with the Son. Now we believe in one God who reveals himself as Father and as Son and Holy Spirit. Not three gods, but one God revealed in three persons. Now we don't believe like some believe, particularly those of the oneness uh, who believe that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are the same and just manifested themselves at different times. It's the one God, but at one time he was the Father and then he became the Son, and then the Holy Spirit at different times. But that's not so. That is heresy, actually. And it's certainly not the, the orthodox belief that Christians believe uh, in the Trinity as we believe in the Trinity. You say, well, the Trinity is not mentioned in Scripture. The word Trinity is not, but it's implied throughout Uh, because it always talks about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so the best way I suppose to describe this is distinguishable yet indivisible. Distinguishable. If you just read the Scriptures, and you'll see that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has got uh, different roles. Their ministries are different in the sense of that. They have different roles, different functions, but yet they are one, they're indivisible. And, uh, And so the Holy Spirit has his own specific role and function within the Godhead uh, to carry out. So what then is the role of the Holy Spirit? Well, let me give you just some thoughts on this. Uh, There's no possible way that I could cram all of these things into one sitting. Uh, But let me just give you some idea, some brief things. First of all, the Holy Spirit's role in the uh, new creation In recreation, in us becoming born again. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl who are born again are born again of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the agent through which we are born again. Whenever Nicodemus came to Jesus to talk about eternal things, you remember how Jesus brought into the conversation about the Holy Spirit. It says, the wind blows where it wants to. cannot tell where it comes or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so whenever you became born again, something happened to you supernaturally. A work, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Something happened to you on the inside that caused your spirit. To be born again from above. It was not through man's ingenuity. No agent of man. But by the Holy Spirit. Cannot explain it. Have to receive that by faith. But you know when it happens. Because you're changed on the inside. Something takes place in your spirit. It is born again. And that's what Jesus was driving up with Nicodemus. It's not a religious thing. It's an experience that you get whenever the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ, makes you a part of the great body of Christ on earth, part of the family of God. And it happens in an instant. And it's supernatural. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. Of course, in John chapter 16, And Jesus taught to his disciples, preparing them for his going away from them. Verse 5, John's Gospel, chapter 16. But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, of course. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I have many things to say to you, but ye cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come, and he will glorify me, for he will take of that which is mine, declare it to you. And So Jesus here is, in a, in a sense, commending the ministry of the Holy Spirit to these disciples, that when he would not be with them in the flesh, that he would not leave them comfortless, but he would send his Holy Spirit who would come and who would be their helper, their comforter, their guide, and who would glorify Christ through them. But notice what he says about his ministry to the world. He says when he comes, he will convict or convince, some translation says, the world. The world. Not the believers, but the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. Now we often think of the Holy Spirit, and we'll come to this a little bit later, think of the Holy Spirit as the the helper, the comforter, the parakletos, the one who's called alongside to help. And as believers, he is the one right now on earth who's called alongside us to help us to stand. And and the imagery is that if you go into a court of law, that you would need a barrister. You would need somebody to stand in your defense. You need somebody to be your counselor, to be your advocate, to stand on your defense, to stand up for you. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us right now on earth. Jesus is our advocate in heaven. The Holy Spirit is our advocate on earth. But when it comes to the world, he's not their advocate. In a sense, he's their prosecutor. When you go into a court of law, and you're the one that's the accused, then the prosecutor will come, and perhaps he'll say things like, Mr. Gowdy, is this your name on this piece of paper? Mr. where were you seen driving on the A26 at 11 o'clock on the 31st of January? Because, Mr. Gowdy, your testimony says you were in bed sleeping. But see, you were seen. A witness has seen you. Is that not true? And suddenly, you're the one who comes under that conviction. You're the one who's been convinced that you were wrong. And at the end of the day, you have to hold up your hand and say, I was wrong. I am the guilty one. And the part of the work of the Holy Spirit with the unbeliever is to get them to that place where they hold their hands up before the holy God of heaven and say, "I was wrong, I am a sinner. I am condemned before the holy God." That's what the Holy Spirit, that's what conviction is. And all of us has felt the convicting power of the Holy Spirit showing us our sin. Before a holy God. And if we don't see our sinfulness before a holy God, we'll never need to, need to see in need of a Savior, will we? Never. If we don't know we're lost, we'll never know we need to be found. And so here's part of the work of the Holy Spirit. Now the wonderful thing is, of course, having been condemned, and having realized we are condemned before a holy God, then he points us to the Savior. Hallelujah. So the one who came and paid the penalty for our condemnation, for our sinfulness, and he introduces us to the lovely Son of God, and we're saved and we get born again of his Holy Spirit. And then he becomes our advocate, not our prosecutor, but our advocate, <laughs> the one who stands in our defense. See, this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit teaches. We just read a verse there in John 14, and John 16, John 14, 26. We read also in John 16. It teaches all things. Holy Spirit, we've said so many times, is the author of Scripture, He's the illuminator of Scripture. If you want to know about the Word of God, Ask the Holy Spirit, who's the author. Now, I have thousands of books, thousands of them, and some of them I have been privileged to meet the author. And sometimes I have been even more privileged to be in the company of the author several times. And got to know a little bit more about him on a personal level than just reading his book. And I can tell you, once you meet the author of the book that you're reading, it becomes a different book. You can hear his voice in it. You can sense his personality coming through it. And once you come to know the Holy Spirit in your life, then this book becomes a different book. You can hear his voice in it. You can sense his presence as you read it. You can ask him to open up his word to you. you, Do you ever say, Holy Spirit, show me what this means? Now you may not get an immediate answer just right there and then. But if he sees that you're serious to understand the word of God, it'll be his business to open it up to you. Because he's the spirit of truth. He will show you things to come. And so this is all part of the wonderful work of the Holy Spirit. Now in 1 John, 1 John, little epistle of John. In chapter 2, well, I'll read from verse 26, 1 John chapter 2, right at the end of the chapter. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you, do not have, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Now, this is a scripture that, that sometimes people misquote and misuse and abuse particularly rebellious people who didn't want to be taught anything, have their own revelations, their own ideas. They say, well, I don't need man to teach me because the Bible says, look, there it says there, you don't need anyone to teach you because you've got the Holy Spirit. He'll be your teacher, and he is your teacher. But you've got to compare Scripture with Scripture. In Ephesians 4, it says God has set in the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for they had of find the body of Christ for the work of the ministry. Notice the very first scripture. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. John was combating false teachers who had crept into the church with new revelation. Beware of someone with new revelation. If it's not in the book, it's from the pit Doctrine of demons, the Bible talks about. Beware of those who come with new revelation. Now, God will give us fresh revelation of what's already here. But he's not going to give us something that's not here. And this is where the cults and the false religions come in because they have a new revelation. So be very aware of that. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. And he will teach us the Word of God. The Holy Spirit leads Romans 8, 14, he leads and he guides us. If we are the sons of God, we'll be led by the Spirit of God. He leads us into all truth, it says. We need guidance, don't we? Now, I don't need any guidance what pair of socks to put on when I get up on Sunday morning. I've got my wife to help me with that. <laughs> Keeps me color coordinated, because if she didn't, who knows what sort of socks I'd have on a Sunday morning. I mightn't even have two the same. I have been known to get into the pulpit with two different socks on. But I tell her, don't worry, darling, because I've got a pair exactly that at home in the drawer. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us. And he wants to. And how often have we been in a situation where we just didn't know what to do. We've had to pray, Holy Spirit, help me, guide me. You're the one that's called alongside to help, so help me, show me, teach me. And we be quiet before the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide Holy Spirit, John 16 and 14, glorifies Christ. He shall glorify me, Jesus said. See, that's the greatest ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's his heart. That's his passion. That's what he wants to do, to glorify Christ, to lift up Jesus through you and through me. That's his passion. That's really what he wants to do. And there are many ways he can glorify Jesus through us. And that's why it's important to have a good testimony before our community and before our families because that glorifies Jesus. Nobody likes a hypocrite. Sure they don't. And there's loads of them in church. So the Holy Spirit wants to glorify Christ through us. And whenever you worship the Lord, and whenever you praise God, and whenever you pray unto Him, and whenever you come to the house of God, all of that is glorifying the Son of God. Whenever you stand and give testimony, perhaps in your workplace or at uni or in your college, when you testify to the faithfulness of God, to the goodness of Christ in your life, that gives glory to the Lord. That's the Holy Spirit working through you to glorify Christ. And we really said, John 16, he guides us into all truth. Romans 8, 26, he prays and makes intercession. See, all of these are just subjects on their own, aren't they? really, you could take a morning in every one of these, which we don't have time to do. Praise and makes intercession. Part of the ministry, we'll talk a little bit more about that tonight, part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit within us to help us and to guide us in our prayers. We need all the help we can get praying, don't we? Because when you go to pray, the devil will fight you more on prayer than anything else. So we need all the help we can get, and the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us. Holy Spirit bears witness. 1 John chapter 5, 6 to 10. Romans 8, 16. We'll not read all these scriptures for the sake of time this morning. But he bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. It's hard to explain to anybody what it means for the Holy Spirit to bear witness with our spirit. Hard to put that into words, isn't it? Other than you just know. You just know. The Holy Spirit oftentimes can come and just settle the issue in our hearts where we know that we know that we know we just know. Can't explain it, but I just know. Of course, it's easy if it's written in the Word because we can say, well, there's the Word. So we'll stand upon that. But there's other things that are a little bit more vague than that, particularly leading and guiding and all the rest of it. So we have to know, as somebody says, down in your knower. And you know the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit. Now, We need to be careful because that sounds a bit subjective, and it is. So we need to be careful that every idea we get or every thought we get is just going to be the Holy Spirit. We need to test these things too. Prove them. You know, 32 years of pastoring, I have heard all kinds of strange things that people have told me that was the Holy Spirit that was not the Holy Spirit. It was what they wanted to do. It was what they thought, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit So we need to be careful in that, but he still bears witness. And it's lovely whenever you're confident and assured that the Holy Spirit has borne witness with your spirit. The Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 imparts spiritual gifts, and Galatians 5, he imparts spiritual fruit. That's a double whammy, isn't it? Nine f- spiritual gifts, nine full fruit. I don't know whether it's exactly accurate or not. I've never counted them, but somebody says that the dove has got nine flight feathers in each wing. I should ask Alistair there. He's the bird man of Elzeborough. Yeah. Well, he doesn't know about birds. is not worth a knowing. So maybe he'll look at his bird books up to then find the truth of that. But I like to think that's a good thought, that there's a balance between those two. The Bible says about the gifts that he divides them severally as he wills. So it's not something that we can just decide, well, I'll just have that, thank you very much. He divides severally as he wills. Maybe that's because he knows us better than we know ourselves, knows our personalities, knows what we can handle, knows our level of faith, whatever it may be. There's no question that there are some people who are more used in particular gifts than others. No question about that. But still it's the Holy Spirit who divides severally as he wills. Ninefold fruit of the Spirit. You can read them in Galatians 5. Do that as a little study these things on your, by yourself. See what the fruit of the Spirit is. Is the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Would we prefer the gifts of the Spirit than the fruit of the Spirit? Would we prefer the fruit of the Spirit than the gifts of the Spirit? seems to be that the scriptures teach that he imparts both. Calls men into ministry in Acts chapter 13. Missionaries are going to have to be sent out. So there's a prayer meeting that's called for in Acts 13. For anybody goes anywhere, a prayer meeting is called to see who God is going to send. And as they were praying, the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work we're I have called them. Don't know how he said it. Prophetically, through a gift. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge. But everybody in that prayer meeting, by the time that meeting was finished, they knew who was going to be sent to the mission field because the Holy Spirit had spoken. The issue was settled and they went out. The rest is history, isn't it? If you have a ministry, genuine ministry, it's the Holy Spirit who calls men and women into ministry. Sets a seal upon us. Of course, you know that if you've got a ministry and it's of the Holy Spirit that God had planned that before the foundation of the world, before you were even born. True, plenty of scriptures to prove it. But then there comes a point in your Christian experience where the Holy Spirit comes and he separates you onto that ministry. I never had a clue what I was gonna be when I got saved. I volunteered for everything I was going in the church to do, particularly if it was working with your hands or laboring or driving a minibus or knocking a wall down. That was all, I, honestly, that was all I thought I ever could do. I had never any ambition to do anything more than that. But the Holy Spirit had other plans. He had other plans. Plans that were before the foundation of the world. And at one point in time, he separated me onto this ministry. And nobody was more surprised than me. But I know now. You couldn't convince me otherwise. I know now that what I'm doing is what God wants me to do, and the Holy Spirit separated me onto it. I'm not saying that in a bragging way, I just know I have the witness of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, of course, is the Comforter, isn't He? The Paraclete. Para means alongside. We talk about paramedics, those who come alongside the medics to help them. We talk about paramilitaries. <laughs> who often are not coming alongside to help <laughs> for other reasons. We talk about parallel, two parallel lines. Wrong alongside each other. And Kaleo means call. From where we get. Kletos. Kaleo means call. Called alongside to help. Aren't you glad that you've got a helper? Aren't you glad that you've got somebody who 24 7 has been called alongside to help you? Sometimes we struggle in our Christian experience and often in those times of struggle we forget that we have got one who lives within us whose desire is to help us to overcome and to be victorious and to win in the battles of life. He's there within us. On call 24-7. How can you feel when you've got that Huh? The Bible says he strengthens the inner man. Ephesians 3.16 Gives us inner strength. You cannot live the Christian life. You can go through the motions of it, but you cannot live it without inner strength that comes from the Holy Spirit. So are you getting the picture this morning that the Holy Spirit is much more important than we give Him credit for in our lives. Gives us power to witness. Acts 1 and 8. You shall receive power. Dunamis. After that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me witness with your words but witness with your life unto me John 1 and 12 but as many as received him to them gave he power exousia to become the children of God to those who believe in his name authority might Christ gives you the right when he saves you to call yourself a son of God, a daughter of God. He gives you the legal right to do that. So don't be bashful and shy about it. (laughs) He paid the price for you to do that. So he has given us the right to be able to say, I am a child of God. I've got the right to do that because Christ paid the price to make me his child. But the Holy Spirit is the one who gives you the might to live as a child of God. And too many of us understand that we've got the right to call ourselves children of the Lord. But we're not living in the might of it. We struggle with our Christian experience whenever we should be overcoming Christ gives us the authority, the Holy Spirit gives us the ability. Christ appoints, the Holy Spirit anoints. Acts 4.31, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Acts 4.32, with great power, the apostles give witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Acts 17 and 6, these who have turned the world upside down have come here. I don't think we're turning much of the world upside down, do you? Have you turned your world upside down? The early church turned their world upside down. And the only reason they were able to do that was through the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture. Ephesians six seventeen, The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 2 Peter 1.21, 2 Timothy 3.16, 1 Corinthians 2.9-13, loads of scriptures to show us that the Holy Spirit is the author of scripture. This book you hold in your hand has been breathed upon by God, the Holy Spirit, it's an inspired word from the Latin "inspiro" to breathe into. The Greek equivalent is theo, gnostos. Theo. From God, Nustos from pneuma. Pneuma is wind, it's air. God breathed. We talk about a pneumatic drill, a drill that's operated by air. We talk about a pneumatic tire, a tire that's filled with air. Whenever God created man from the dust of the earth, then he breathed into him and he became a living soul. This book written by man, they were the pen, but the Holy Spirit was the author. It comes to life when the Holy Spirit breathes into it. See, sometimes you read this book and it sounds dry and dull and quite dead and you say, I can't understand it and you get bored and you leave it down. But if you could just remember for a moment, this is God's Word. And the Holy Spirit breathes into this and it becomes a living word to us. becomes alive. Then you begin to understand it. Then it becomes a challenge. Then it edifies and builds up and all the things that the Word of God does to us. But we've got to remember that the Holy Spirit breathes. His breath is in this book. This is what makes this book so different. This is why you could read this for fifty years, every day of your life, and suddenly you read it one day, and a scripture jumps out at you as if you'd never read it before, and you've read it a million times, because the living word is breathed by the Spirit of God. Now, the Holy Spirit is a person; he can be grieved. Ephesians four thirty, he can be grieved. things that grieve the Holy Spirit. He's got a heart. He feels. He's sensitive. Are we unforgiving? Are we hard-hearted? Are we hold grudges? Are we backbiters? It grieves the great heart of the Holy Spirit. There are churches where the Holy Spirit has left because of the politics and the infighting and all the stuff that goes on in the name of Christ, and the Holy Spirit doesn't want anything to do with it. It grieves His heart. All of us, I'm sure, certainly myself, there's been times in my life when I've realized that I've grieved the Holy Spirit by something I said or something I did or something I thought, and it grieved the Holy Spirit. And I had to repent and ask God forgiveness. Say, Lord, forgive me for that. Because I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. He can be insulted, Hebrews ten twenty nine. He can be lied to, Acts 5 and 3. Ananias and Sapphira. Peter says, you lied to the Holy Ghost. He can be blasphemed, Matthew 12. What a dangerous thing to do to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Jesus was casting out devils. The religious crowd says he's doing this by the prince of devils. Attributing the great work of the Spirit of God to devils. It says you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Dangerous, dangerous thing to do. I know there's some people, in the, particularly new Christians, when they hear about blaspheming the Holy Spirit and there's no forgiveness for it, then they get very worried and they think they've blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And, Sometimes it's very hard to convince them otherwise, and it gets into their mind, but if you're really worried and concerned that you blasphemed the Holy Spirit, you'll almost be sure you haven't, or you wouldn't be a bit worried or concerned about it, because the Holy Spirit would be gone. There's no conviction about it whatsoever. He can be resisted, Acts 7:51. He can be tested, Acts five and nine. He can be vaxed, Isaiah 63 and 10. He can be quenched. First Thessalonians five nineteen. Why? Because he's a person. Did you ever get offended? Did you ever get vexed? Did you ever feel hurt? Did you ever get insulted? You're a person, aren't you? You feel these things. Why do we think that God, the Holy Spirit, doesn't feel? He does. His personality. And these scriptures show us that he is a personality. He's God, the Holy Spirit. There's about 40 more things I could tell you, but we don't have time. We're almost finished. We'll cut short. Holy Spirit is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Remember when the angel came to Mary and gave her that startling, shocking news that even though she was a virgin, she was going to have a child. How can't this thing be saying, I know not a man. The Holy Spirit shall overshadow you. <laughs> and that Holy One that will be born of you will be the Son of God. The Holy Spirit shall overshadow you. What power is in the Holy Spirit? He just has to overshadow. And <laughs> something, someone is born. Whenever the same Holy Spirit. In Genesis 1 it says he hovered over the face of the deep over the moving of the water waiting from the word of the Lord and suddenly God spoke and the holy spirit unleashed all that creative power in an instant What power there is, he is all-powerful. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing, all-seeing. I, I, just in my daily devotions, I've just been reading through uh, First and Second Kings and I think of Elijah and Elisha and, and how that <laughs> the old king of Syria was making plans to destroy Israel and every plan he made king of Israel found out about it because the prophet it was said of him that said to the king of Syria somebody said to the king of Syria he thought he, he had fifth columnists, he thought he had spies in the camp and, and some says no it's the prophet in Israel he says he even knows what you speak in your bedchamber See, <laughs> so that's the Holy Spirit all-seeing, all-knowing. Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He is everywhere present. Where can I go from your presence? Psalm 139. Where can I go? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. <laughs> Where can I go from your presence? Nowhere. You can't hide from the hound of heaven. There is nowhere you can go that the Holy Spirit can't be. He's omnipresent. Now the wonderful and encouraging thing about that is no matter where you are, he is. No matter how tight a spot you're in, he's there. No matter what you're going through, he knows and he's with you. So this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let me just give you some of his titles. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth, John fourteen seventeen. Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Love, Romans 15 30. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of holiness, Romans 1 and 4. Holy Spirit is the Spirit of wisdom, Ephesians 1 17. Holy Spirit is the Spirit of knowledge, Isaiah 11 and 2. He's the Spirit of grace, Zechariah 12 10. Holy Spirit is the spirit of burning, Isaiah 4. 4. He's is the spirit of judgment, Isaiah 4:4. 4, 4. Holy Spirit is the eternal spirit, Hebrews 9:14. He's the spirit of adoption, Romans 8:15. He's the spirit of faith. 2 Corinthians 4.13. He's the spirit of promise, Ephesians 1.13 and 14. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of power, 2 Timothy 1.7. He's the spirit of glory, 1 Peter 4.14. He's the spirit of prophecy, Revelation 19 and 10. He is a divine person dwelling within every one of us. And that's only a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Just a little bit. We're just scratching the surface. Let's close this morning with this. Gordon Brownville's book, Symbols of the Holy Spirit, tells about the great Norwegian explorer Roald Amundsen. He's the first man to discover the magnetic meridian of the North Pole and to discover the South Pole. One of his trips, he took a homing pigeon with him. When he finally reached the top of the world, he opened the bird cage and set it free. Now imagine the delight of his wife back in Norway. When she looked up from the doorway of her home and she saw the pigeon circling the sky above, no doubt she exclaimed, He's alive! My husband is alive! So it was when Jesus ascended, he was gone, but the disciples clung to his promise to send them the Holy Spirit, the dove of God. What joy then when the Holy Spirit descended at Pentecost. The disciples had with them the continual reminder that Jesus was alive and victorious at the right hand of the Father. This continues to be the Spirit's message, that Jesus has made it. He's climbed to the top. He sits at the right hand of the Father And he's coming back for his church. That's the message of the Holy Spirit. That's glorifying Christ. That's what he does. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad you got the Holy Spirit today? How can you feel, believer, with the Holy Spirit, with that Holy Spirit within you, with all of his power and all of his wisdom and all of his might, all of that in you? What potential is there? Amen. Now tonight, as God spurs us, we're going to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And if you're worried about speaking in tongues, we'll cover that too. Just in case you wonder, what is tongues talking? Is it gibberish? Is it a load of baloney? What is it? Because that's what people try to tell you. It's very important. We'll deal with that tonight, and we'll pray for you. We'll pray for you tonight. And ask the Holy Spirit to quicken you and to touch you. Amen. Glory to God. Let's pray. Tony's going to lead us this morning in communion.